ASU's head coach, Herm Edwards, said it best. ABC and their A-team crew of Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit and Maria Taylor did not come to Sun Devil Stadium this past Saturday night to cover a 5-5 five and five team. They came to watch number 6, Oregon, a team that had legitimate aspirations not only to win the Pac-12, but also to earn a berth in the college football playoff. The Ducks were arguably the Pac-12's best chance of having a team from that conference in the Final Four, but Arizona State was more than happy on their homecoming weekend to spoil those plans and break their four-game losing streak in very impressive fashion with a signature win. So we'll review that game from last Saturday. We'll also talk about the Tertoa Cup, another big game for Arizona State, awaits Saturday night as they meet their rival Arizona. And we will talk also to a former U of A player to get their perspective on this rivalry and also the current state of the Wildcats on this last regular season game of 2019. And we'll close out the podcast with some talk of ASU hoops, a win against St. John's and a loss to defending Chaps Virginia over the weekend. I'll give you my impressions of this 3-2 and two Sun Devil team and what are some of the encouraging aspects and the not so encouraging aspects of the Sun Devils in this young hoop season. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. I was living in a devil town. Didn't know it was a devil town Oh Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town Welcome to the Devil Junkies Podcast. I'm your host and devilsitis.com publisher, Hold Rubino. And that was uh, one very unexpected win, I would say, by the Sun Devils, 31-28 to over Oregon. Really interesting chain of events where Arizona State, which was absolutely besieged by slow starts, especially on defense, during its four-game losing streak, actually goes into halftime leading 10-7. to Oregon did score, not on their first drive, but did score in the first quarter. And maybe you had the here-we-go-again sinking feeling that the Ducks were just going to pile on with their very explosive offense. And sure enough, since the 6.32 mark of the first half, Oregon was shut out all the way until the fourth quarter with 7.43 left. So that was an absolute masterpiece, I would say, by the ASU defense up to that point. Now, Oregon did score 21 points in the fourth quarter, and that's something that defensive coordinator Danny Gonzalez, for obvious reasons, was very displeased with. But... The Arizona State offense, even though had pretty quiet second and third quarters, scoring a field goal in each, actually scored 18 points in in the fourth quarter. So even though they got outscored in the fourth quarter by the Ducks, the fact that uh, they were able to at least put some points on the board in each and every quarter, and as mentioned, really hold the Ducks at bay for most of the game, I think was a huge, huge factor in Arizona State's win. So let's uh, break it down and start with the offense. So Jaden Daniels, who was named today both Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week and Pac-12 Freshman Player of the Week, had his best game as a Sun Devil, completing 22-32 passes, 408 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, was only sacked twice. And the, the ability of for him to connect with Brandon Ayuk and Frank Darby, especially downfield, was definitely on full display. Brandon Ayuk, seven receptions, 161 yards, one touchdown, including an 81-yard touchdown reception late in the fourth quarter to seal the deal for the Sun Devils. Frank Darby has been an absolute tear for the last three games, scored two touchdowns against Oregon, scored seven touchdowns in the last three contests for ASU. Last Saturday night, four receptions, two of them going for touchdowns, 125 yards, his longest touchdown going for 57 yards. And Rob Likens, the offensive coordinator, talked about Jaden Daniels finally get to a point of his career where he has a lot of trust in those downfield receivers. Now, granted, Brandon Nuke and Frank Darby are talented enough also to catch other routes that aren't necessarily a post route or a go route where you're just trying to beat the defensive back 40, 50 yards down the field. But nonetheless, I think that especially with Frank Darby, that is where their their biggest trait, their biggest strength, I should say, in their skill set lies. And for Jaden Daniels to absolutely 
exploit it to his advantage and really give this offense a very explosive dimension. I think it also shows the development in Jaden Daniels, not only with the trust now that he has with players like Darby and Ayuk downfield, but also to throw your receiver open, so to speak. In other words, to throw a ball where it's going to be out of the reach of a defensive back, but still open up just enough space for the uh, wide receiver running downfield to, to make a big play, let alone to score a touchdown. And I'm, I'm not saying that Jaden Daniels didn't have that touch earlier in the year because he did show some flashes, but I think realistically, when you look at game film from September to November, that is one aspect that definitely J- Jaden Daniels improved a lot in. I think one aspect that's been very evident with uh, Jaden Daniels is that every time he rolls out of the pocket, good things have happened. And Rob Likens, after the game, said that that's exactly what he wanted to do with Jaden Daniels, not only move him out of the pocket and a lot of bootlegs, but also to move the line to, because uh, the, the Oregon is a team that brought a lot of, a, a lot of inside pressure. Uh, they're definitely one of the best defensive lines, not named Utah, that ASU has faced all season long. So for Jaden Daniels to only be sacked twice, not a great number. But again, when you talk about the front four, of Oregon, that is definitely no small feat to only have two sacks. So I like the creativity that the offensive line showed. But just in general, I felt that this offensive line, pass blocking, run blocking, was really playing as if, as if their life depended on it. And Rob Likens had a really interesting comment when he talked about giving his entire offense a homework assignment, if you will, in the offseason to view that game at Oregon last year, which was a close loss. And to have his unit respond back to him with what they felt went wrong personally in that game for them. And to give really specifics about what what play, what quarter, what the impact was, what have you. And I think that really kind of built up for months and months and months that this is one game that Arizona State felt that they needed to have revenge. Now, I know you can say that about any opponent that you lose the season prior, but it looks like playing Oregon just had a little more meaning to it. And I think obviously coming into 2019 when they were definitely thought of as one of the best teams in the Pac-12 and really proved it uh, for most of the season for that matter, I think there was definitely extra motivation for this offensive line who really struggled quite a bit in this four-game losing streak. And honestly, even during a 5-1 and record to start the season, Definitely did not play consistently week in and week out. But I I felt that the offensive line, blocking-wise, definitely played really well. There were a lot of false start penalties. And Rob Likens talked about the Oregon defensive line sometimes confusing the Arizona State offensive linemen. Uh, Sometimes a snap count. Just true freshman mistakes by by Jaden Daniels cost caused some of the offensive linemen to be a little jittery. So that is something that definitely needs to be cleaned up for the Arizona game this week and and the ball game thereafter. But all in all, I felt that the offensive line as a whole, and I know the penalties are kind of the, the eyesore over here, but as a whole, this offensive line did very, very well in protecting Jenny Daniels and did very well in run blocking. Uh, you know, Benjamin did not have, Many games at all where he eclipsed the century mark, but Saturday night was one of those games, 114 net yards on 31 carries, 3.7 average yards a carry. I said in my preview leading up to this game, it was very important for Eno Benjamin and the ASU ground attack to really establish themselves. When you have such an explosive offense in Oregon, you want to keep them off the field as much as you can and definitely give your defense a rest because... Chances are they'll be chasing after those playmakers all night long. And Eno Benjamin's 31 carries, I don't think were a career high, but definitely the highest that that he has carried the ball this year. And sure, there was a lot of talk going into the season where he wanted to decrease the workload for Eno Benjamin. And I don't think he really carried over 20 carries for that many contests at all this year, but Circumstances dictated for Eno Benjamin to have a heavier than normal workload. He answered the bell and, by and large, definitely had a good game. And also should mention Eno Benjamin having five receptions and 54 yards out of the backfield. That was another 
preseason talking point, getting, you know, Benjamin more involved in the passing game. And that's something I think that really has come to fruition, even in losses and against Oregon. Definitely to have him against a very aggressive defense, be able to slip into the open and uh, and catch some balls from uh, from Jaden Daniels just proved uh, very, very uh, beneficial because as the game wore on and with Ayuk and Darby playing as well as they did, obviously there was extra attention by the defensive backfield on those two wide receivers, and that allowed you know Benjamin more, more space to operate, whether it was running the ball or just catching it from the backfield. So a big night for the Arizona State offense. I should also mention Jaden Daniels, 408 passing yards were a new record by a true freshman quarterback. The 535 total yards of offense are the most Oregon has allowed uh, since a game against TCU in the 2016 Alamo Bowl. Obviously the best offensive output for the Sun Devils this year. This is a group that ever since has scored only three points in a loss to Utah. Even though we lost the three subsequent contests, I felt that we did see a group that was scoring at a higher clip, was posting larger amount of yards each and every week. And I know you can talk about caliber of competition. Nobody would confuse the UCLA or the Oregon State defense with that of Oregon. So the fact that you're able to score 31 points on such a formidable unit as the Ducks is definitely something that's very, very impressive. And I think, again, just shows the overall progression of this ASU offense, which really, even going 5-1, and one, definitely had some very, very modest offensive outputs. And I think against the so-called cream puffs in the schedule that was definitely uh, definitely disturbing but nonetheless I think this offense is really really hitting the stride late in the season and that was a huge factor in notching this very impressive upset win over the Oregon. Moving on to the defense and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast the fast start for a change for the Sun Devils was definitely huge in this in this contest, Oregon, like I said, did not score on the opening drive, but did score in the first quarter with 632 left in that period, but did not score again until the fourth quarter, actually just about midway through the fourth quarter at the 743 mark. I asked Danny Gonzalez after the game if there's any way you can uh, overstate how important it was to get that fast start, and he, he said absolutely there's no way you can minimize that. It really was unbelievable. Uh, to, to, use, to use his words, really changed the whole dynamic of the game, making an early statement, boosting the confidence of that group, which, as we mentioned, during the four-game losing streak has really s- struggled quite a bit. And that's probably putting it kindly in the first quarter. But against Oregon, played exceptionally well. For especially during the second and third quarter and really part of the fourth where they shut out the Ducks, not, not, not even allowing a field goal. And just that confidence was building more and more throughout the game. Now, what happened in the fourth quarter, I think it was just a matter of the dam finally breaking. And at the end of the day, you're playing a very, very talented Ducks offense with just playmakers galore and going in the fourth quarter where Oregon was still stuck on seven points I don't know if anybody realistically thought that win or lose that the Ducks were only going to score one touchdown in this game no team throughout the season has even come close to limiting Oregon to such few points and that was just the beauty of having such a strong start that you can have a very subpar fourth quarter but because you built enough equity throughout the first three quarters. Your offense scored in each and every period and actually scored the most points in the fourth quarter. So you have all those elements coming together and you can survive a 21-point onslaught in the fourth quarter by Oregon. The week prior at Oregon State, ASU had a lot of issues with the Beavers' 12 personnel. In other words, one running back, two tight end looks. And eventually they were able to combat it more effectively having a four linebacker look, so really making this defense look more like a 3-4 than a 3-3-5. And they did have to resort to the same scheme against Oregon, and I think that practice run, if you will, the week prior in Corvallis did help them be more effective in that regard against Oregon. And truth be told, it was much challenging having that four linebacker look with injuries to starters Merlin Robinson and Darren Butler 
earlier in the game. Now, both of them did come back later into the contest, but now you had players like like Kyle Soli and Elijah Juarez that had to play increased number of snaps, definitely the largest number of snaps that each of them has played so far this season, if not in their entire ASU career, especially when it comes to, to Kyle Soli. But they really uh, held their own and were able to, I wouldn't say shut down the Oregon offense, but slow them down quite a bit throughout the first three quarters. The pass rush for Arizona State did pretty well. They were able to sack senior quarterback Justin Herbert twice. And the two interceptions that Justin Herbert had, which obviously were a huge factor in the game, I don't know if there was so much as a result of effective pass rush, at least in those two instances, but rather Herbert making really horrible reads in coverage and having linebacker Kellen Chris Thomas and cornerback Jack Jones just be there at the right place at the right time to uh, have a turnover for the Sunday. So when you look at the stat sheet from an Arizona State defensive perspective, it's nothing really to write home about. Oregon was able to post 154 yards on the ground. Justin Herbert passes for 304 yards and two touchdowns, but as I mentioned, the two sacks, the two interceptions definitely indicated a subpar night by by the senior quarterback who ironically was outplayed by a freshman signal caller in, in Jaden Daniels. But definitely not a clean game by Arizona State. It was just really more in spurts in terms of the level of play being high or low. But I think Danny Gonzalez, the defensive coordinator, put it best that they were able to overcome their mistakes because they they played fast, they played violent, and they played physical. And sometimes that's what football really boils down to in the simplest of terms. And this is a game that the Arizona State defense, which really was much maligned in this four-game losing streak, was able to do such a great job throughout the first three, three-and-a-half quarters of the game that the ASU offense didn't feel that they had to just chuck it down each and every series because they weren't playing from behind. They were able to play ball control offense quite well. And it just all came together for Arizona State. Not a complete game from first to fourth quarter, but definitely one of the better outings that we've seen from the Sun Devils this year. And now the challenge is to come off that high, put that win way away in the rearview mirror because you got a Tertola Cup game against your arch rival at home. And we will talk about that next with a former U of A player to get their perspective on this contest. So usually with ASU-based podcasts ahead of the Territorial Cup game, I know that ASU, former ASU coaches, former ASU players are usually guests on these podcasts. If you talk to somebody associated with the University of Arizona, it's usually a beat writer that covers them on a consistent basis. But I thought to do something different for a change and actually get a perspective of a former Arizona player about the game with, with ASU and also get their thoughts on the current state of the Wildcats uh, right now. My guest is uh, Shaq Richardson. Shaq is a, a former defensive back for the Wildcats. Finished his career in Tucson with 189 tackles, 40 passes defended, 10 interceptions. Played for U of A between the years 2010 and 2013. Went on uh, to play in the NFL for a handful of years. Was a 2014 fifth round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Shaq, thanks for joining us. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So take me back in the time machine, Shaq, to uh, 2010. And we're here Monday before the game, uh, before the game with, with Arizona State. I know I know that football players are really big on routine and you don't want things really to change from week to week. But I got to think that even this early in the week before the game against ASU, things were like really different. The mood was a whole different for you personally, for the team. Uh, you know, take take me back to that time. What 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 was uh you know the feelings and this the mood uh this time? Well, honestly, uh, the feelings after a long season and then having an ASU at the end of the season, uh, it doesn't matter uh, if we lost all our games, if we win all our games for that season. Uh, this is like a whole new you know uh, season in itself playing ASU. So uh, I know that uh, 
this upcoming game, all the losses that we've been having in Arizona, uh, that's not going to matter to us mentally. We're going to, you know, give our all in this game. Uh, we know that ASU is going to give their all in that game. It's really the kind of type of thing that no matter what happened before, they have we have this game now, and that could, like, make up for the whole season, uh, honestly. So um, if, if Arizona comes out and plays well with all these losses, then they'll uh, they'll be happy just beating, beating ASU, yeah. you know, and having this losing, losing streak. But if they get a win, I know that uh, Herm Edwards is really big on playing with passion, but not but not emotion. And and I know it's something that's really easier said than done, especially when you're playing when you're playing a rival. The coaches that that you had uh, back back in the day, is that something that they preached a lot before playing Arizona State? And how easy was it to really listen to your coaches? And not come up, come out like too amped up, you know, commit penalties, commit mental mistakes, and really hurt your team just because you're so keyed up for this contest. Yeah, well, you can you can be as teed up as you want, but you also have to be a smart player and understand that uh, penalties and things like that hurt your team. So, me as a player, I'm I'm emotional, I'm passionate, I'm all of the above, really. But I'm not dumb, you know. I don't make <laughs> dumb penalties. Or I try not to make dumb penalties and things like that. You just gotta uh, channel your emotion and your passion in the right direction in a positive way. And uh, it is hard to do uh, to control that, but um, you know, smart players and professional players—that's uh, a part of being a pro. I know these are college athletes, but if they want to be respected as professional athletes and uh, you know, um, like appreciated as a player that that is passionate and emotional, then they just have to not make penalties. I mean. I don't think that I had any penalties against ASU when I played, but uh, made a lot of big plays. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it, even if there were no penalties, I know I, I know I know cornerbacks uh, are sometimes notorious for trash talking. So even though there wasn't any penalties, oh, yeah. so I'm, I'm I'm sure that the trash talking level was a little different than the trash talking you had against Washington State or Oregon State, right? Well, I mean, I talk trash to everybody, but when you <laughs> see the same team every year and you are know that they're coming, you know who talked the most trash? The fans. The fans are the ones talking the most trash. When I go to ASU, oh my God, they give me hell. But it's all fun. And what what about what about former ASU players, Shaq? I mean, uh, who are some of the players that uh, stood out in in the trash talking department when uh, Arizona and ASU met? <laughs> well, I play uh, I play defense, so I played against Rashad Ross a lot. Okay, and, uh, I still, I, we're still close to this day. He's trying to bet me right now. I'm like, uh, you can hold that bet, my friend. But like, guys like him. I'm also really close with uh, Alden Darby. He played in my year. Uh, we also play together now for the CFL uh, in the CFL. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I still have uh, even um, Willie. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Willie. Um, he played D lineman. Yeah. Well, 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 Wilson. Yeah. Wilson. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Those guys. You know, they. They. Uh, of course, they're talking mess, trying to bait me, especially this year, coming off the win you guys had versus <laughs> Oregon. We're on a losing streak, so I'm really trying to avoid all those guys. <laughs> um. I know that, I mean, I think in my opinion, and you'll probably back me up on this, I think playing cornerback in the Pac-12 is the most thankless position in all of college football because you're going against the best quarterbacks and the best wide receivers in the nation each and every week. Do you feel that if you miss a tackle or give up a big play against ASU, does that really like magnify it more and maybe means much more and can even play tricks with your mind? Versus, like I said, you know, giving up a big play against another Pac-12 team, for example? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. I feel like every opportunity on the field is an opportunity to um, prove yourself and prove to people watching you that you're a talented player, that you can make plays, and you can stand up at any moment. But um, I agree with you 100% that uh, that playing DB in the Pac-12 is way harder than playing SEC or playing in any other, uh, any other conference because we have the best quarterbacks and we have the best receivers. So you might not have the best numbers, but you're the most battle-tested. You're the most ready. I remember playing against Rashad Ross and Marquise Lee and Robert Woods and, like, just seeing those people on a weekly basis, uh, um, the receiver Keenan Allen and Marvin Jones. And, you know, those are the players that I played against in college. And I feel like I was a lot more ready for the competition level going into the NFL than other conferences may have been just because the Pac-12 is a, a pass-down league with – talented quarterbacks and talented athletic receivers. 
So uh, I know you guys have a good quarterback over there, and I'm excited to watch our guys play. Yeah. So you, you talked about U of A right now being, being in a tough spot, uh, overall record four and seven, six-game six losing streak. As somebody is, still follows his alma mater, and I'm sure you know some still uh, people in the program and whatnot. What's a, what's your take on what's going on right now with, with U of A? Is this just like the typical growing pains of a second-year head coach trying to turn turn things around, or how do you see things right now uh, in Tucson? Slide type of season coming from a you know a four one record to a six game losing streak so that's that's the kind of state we're in right now. Sumlin, uh, I think he still needs time to get all his guys in there and get them uh, on his page. Basically, uh, I don't think it's too uh, too too late for him. I think he's still in the uh, you know the growing stages of the, his program and his philosophies and his uh, techniques and you know game plan type of things. We have his quarterback um, with Gunnell. But we also have Tate, who's a very explosive athlete. I think he's been trying to figure out how to use both of those guys and be successful or which guys to use and which guys, you know, to move away from or how to use guys and make them the best. I think that he uh, is starting to figure it out, trying to figure it out. I know that we have Goodell moving forward. He's a freshman, so he has a bright future. I think if we protect him uh, as far as the O-line is concerned and uh, we have to have some playmakers on the defensive line that can stop the run and control their gaps. And uh, I think uh, we could have a good direction if we do those things, you know. Um, really, if not, if we don't have the players, if we don't have the uh, basically the players to do what we need to do, then it's going to be another rough season, no matter who the coach is. So, I mean, as far as the defense is specific, Shaq, and I know you, maybe you follow the defense even a little more, just being a former uh, defensive back there for Arizona, but do you feel that uh, is the defense just like they just don't have the horses right now or maybe the scheme is not really fitting the personnel. I mean, what's, what's your take on that side of the ball for the Wildcats? Uh, yeah, my take is the front seven, stopping the run. You know, it's hard for uh, – for one, as, as a defensive back, you really can't do anything if you don't have a pass rush or a D-line. Um, as a defense, you can't do anything if you don't stop the run. So I've been on teams where we've had, you know, multiple double-digit sack leaders and uh, subsequently, subsequently – we, you know, as a secondary, get a lot of interceptions, making a lot of plays. You know, it, it ties one and one. When you have to cover guys for uh, more than five, six seconds, you know, you can't really cover anybody that long. So I think uh, our team uh, struggles up front uh, at, at the line of scrimmage, uh, rushing the passer and stopping the run. And I think that just handicaps the entire defense. So we have some talented players, but um, only one or two up front that I've seen. I know, I know. I obviously didn't watch ASU as much this year as you watched U of A, but from the little that you watched the Sun Devils this season, uh, what are your impressions of them, uh, especially as, you know, maybe a member of a defense that needs to uh, stop Jaden Daniels on that Sun Devil uh, offense? Yeah, well, uh, just like any other good quarterback, the way to stop him is to sack him and get to him. Uh, that's the only way you can stop a talented quarterback. Uh, I think I've always had um, – I've always had – a respect for you guys as head coach Herm Edwards coming from the NFL and so I, I knew that that was a great hire for you guys it's kind of upsetting to me that you guys hired such a great coach <laughs> but you know uh, more power to you guys um I, I, I like Sumlin as well but uh I knew that when you guys hired uh Herm Edwards that you guys were going to be going in, the, in a good direction which is not bad for the rivalry that just means that we have to uh, go in a good direction as well, you know, with our hires and with our recruiting and everything. we got to step our game up to compete. You guys are a talented quarterback. We just got to do our best at least, you know. Yeah. Uh, even though I know the answer to this next question, I'll ask it anyway. Uh, what's what's your prediction for Saturday? Bear down, <laughs> Bear down, you know what's up. <laughs> but, yeah, look, look, anything yeah. that happened before this day doesn't matter. I'm going with with Arizona, you know. <laughs> okay, well, like, like I said, man, I, I knew I knew the answer was coming, but you know, just just to put it out there, I have to answer the question. Uh, last last thing, Shaq, and I, I know I know you got some stuff uh, going on right now besides uh, playing in the CFL. You got a podcast, you got a company, and I know sometimes there's some U of A fans that you know want to listen to the uh, Enemy podcast. So I'm sure they you know want to listen right now and maybe be able to get some more listeners just because I got a U of A guy on, on the yeah. podcast, but. Uh, you know, for those uh, U of A fans uh, that are interested to know what's what's up with Shaq Richardson these days, 
Uh, to, to, to tell us about your podcast and your company and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so I've been doing a, a podcast with Believe with the Believe Network on Arizona football. You know, uh, recaps and previews of every game. That's uh, called uh, Believe in Arizona in, in Arizona Wildcats, Arizona football. Believe in Arizona football. Sorry. So I've been doing that. I also still currently play professionally in the CFL uh, for the Toronto Argos with Alden Darby, who is you know. Uh, ASU uh, legend over there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I have a clothing company, inspiration, uh, inspiration company type of thing. Uh, dreams are for real, and uh, we just you know um, try to promote uh, faith and uh, like we try to promote a uh, healthy drive for dream for pursuing dreams and goals through obstacles and you know hardships that somebody might go through. We try to uh, encourage them to battle through that and stick to their dreams and follow their, follow their dreams. And mostly, mostly the thing that I noticed about um, following your dreams is you just don't quit on them. And, you know, if you don't quit and you stay, stay the course, I think uh, anything is possible for anybody. So um, that's, that's, that's the, the company that I run. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, trying to find my way in life as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Shaq, I really appreciate the conversation. Uh, thank you so much. And, uh, if you ever need uh, me to return a favor and have a Sun Devil voice in your podcast, you, need, you, you, you know where to find me. <laughs> I don't know about that. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, I appreciate it, though. I appreciate it. Yeah, th- thanks so much, Jack. All right, thank you. If you're traveling down So let's talk more about the home game against Arizona on Saturday night, 8 p.m. at Sun Devil Stadium, the game that's going to conclude the regular season for Arizona State. The Sun Devils are already bowl eligible, and Arizona coming in with a six-game losing streak, a 4-7 and seven overall record. And as the case seems to be in many years, when this Territorial Cup comes on the schedule, this is really the bowl game for Arizona since they have no postseason aspirations while Arizona State already securing bowl eligibility now is working to get a better bowl and obviously with the win will match the regular season mark of 2018 at 7 and 5. So when you look at the Arizona offense despite being in a very tough situation with a six game losing streak this is a unit that ranks in the top 5 in many categories across the Pac-12 so it's definitely a group that can put points on the board. And really, aside from both Oregon schools, I think that Arizona has the most balanced offense in the entire conference. And it really starts with the running game. I know their feature running back, J.J. Taylor, is having a much quieter season than he had a year ago. Only has 673 yards, five touchdowns, averaging 67 yards a game. Their uh, other... Quarter, other running backs, uh, Gary Brightwell, 368 yards, five touchdowns themselves. And obviously their quarterback, uh, Khalil Tate, who is uh, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks, not only in the Pac-12, but in the entire nation, with uh, 335 yards. And obviously because of sacks, th- that number gets skewed and has uh, three touchdowns on the ground. But all in all, when you are facing a unit that is averaging 175 yards in their rushing attack, that is definitely one group that you're going to have to bring your A game, making sure that your defensive line and linebackers are playing on point. Wouldn't be surprised to see that four-linebacker look that we saw against both Oregon schools make a reappearance against Arizona just because of that aspect of their offense. Now, I perhaps will leave it to others to declare whether there is a quarterback controversy between Khalil Tate and freshman Grant Gunnell. But the numbers are pretty split evenly between them. Khalil Tate with uh, 1,726 yards passing. Gunnell with uh, 1,239 yards playing two games less than Tate. Tate does definitely had some issues with his interception. Touchdown ratio, 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions, while Gunnell, nine touchdowns and only one interception. But as a team... The Wildcats average just under 270 yards in the air. So 
Again, we talk about that balance offense that can create a lot of challenges for any opposing defense. And I'm not here to suggest that it's a team that can really put the hurt on you like like Oregon did in the fourth quarter last Saturday to the Sun Devils. But nonetheless, this is one offensive unit where if the Arizona State defense is going to duplicate its effort from what it showed in the four-game losing streak rather than how they played against Oregon last Saturday, at least for the first three quarters of that contest, it can be a long line in Tempe for Arizona State. So I would say don't be fooled by this six-game losing streak and four and seven record of the Wildcats as to discount their offense because it can definitely create problems for Arizona State on Saturday in the Territorial Cup. And more importantly, this is going to be the last game for the Wildcats, so I could see them really pulling out all the stops, employing a lot of trickery. The fact that they have two quarterbacks, I think, adds an element of deception. So all in all, it's going to be quite a challenge for the Arizona State defense. Now, it comes for the ASU offense facing the Arizona defense. That's going to be a different story, I feel, altogether, because while the Arizona State defense obviously has had an up-and-down season by and large, the Wildcat defense has definitely had many issues pretty much for the entire season. They're ranked dead last in the Pac-12 in total offense. And it's really a unit that hasn't been able to stop anybody really for quite a while, especially in Pac-12 play. They're giving up an average of 43 points during this six-game losing streak. So whether it's the ground attack or aerial game, this is a unit that is very porous, very susceptible for either approach by the Arizona State offense. So not that the ASU unit is really lacking in confidence. Like I said earlier, even in some of the games they lost throughout their streak, I, I felt there were a lot of encouraging signs and definitely what they showed against Oregon, especially in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of positive for this group to build on. And when you face a unit like Arizona, you just want to make sure that they're not going to play their best game of the year in the Territorial Cup in Tempe out of all places, and that you're able to inflict as much harm, if you will, just like previous opponents were able to do to Arizona. So I think that the offenses are pretty evenly matched between both teams, but when it comes down to the defenses, I think the Arizona State defense is quite better than the Arizona defense, and that will be the difference in the game. I'm going to wait with my score prediction later on in the week for my preview video, but I do feel good about Arizona State chances on Saturday night. So after starting the season in a neutral side game in Shanghai, China, well, the Arizona State basketball team are definitely experienced travels after starting the season in a neutral side game in Shanghai, China. Took to the road uh, for a pair of neutral side games in the Air Force Reserve tip-off tournament in Connecticut. In their first game, they played, surprise, surprise, St. John's for the third year in a row, something I don't think anybody expected to ever happen. A game that was... A classic seesaw game for the Sun Devils, but they end up on top of the convincing 80-67 win. Junior point guard Remy Martin scored 19 points in the second half. Arizona State trailed by nine points at halftime and used a 26 run early in the second half with Remy Martin scoring 13 straight points to win their third game of the year. Their next contest was a whole different story in terms of caliber of an opponent as they meet the defendant chaps, University of Virginia, lose a close game by the score of 48 to 45. And the score itself obviously indicates what a defensive battle was between both teams. Virginia, for the last five, six years, has been ranked, if not the best defensive team in the country, then number two at worst. And Arizona State is just one more opponent that has felt the wrath of the Cavaliers with their suffocating defense. But to Arizona State's credit, 
They played very well defensively themselves. In the second half, they limited Virginia to only 28% shooting. I thought that might have been the best defensive effort that we've seen from Bobby Hurley team since he arrived in Tempe. And just a frustrating contest where Arizona State actually shot 50% in the second half and still finds itself on the losing end, 48-45. to Another wacky game, if you will, by the Sun Devils, who trailed 26-16 to with 30 seconds left in the first half. And from that point forward, leading obviously over into the second half, they went on a 19-0 run. And again, this is against a Virginia team who is anything but a porous defense. So that was quite the accomplishment for the Sun Devils at the time. Arizona State went on a long scoring drought that lasted just about eight minutes, allowed the Cavaliers to get back into the game, and then a three-pointer with about 30 or so seconds left in the game by Virginia was really the difference in this game. So I'm not a big believer in moral victories at all. Nonetheless, this was a contest where even coming out of losing end, there was a lot of positives to take away. And I think first and foremost, the defense by Arizona State is, in my opinion, a very significant building block that the Sun Devils should really try to build upon because we t- we talked about in the preseason, this is going to be a team that's going to be challenged defensively, losing two players in Zylan Cheatham and Lugens Dord, who weren't only excellent rebounders, but also the two best defensive players on the floor on any given night for the Sun Devils last season. And they need to compensate for that loss some way, somehow, on that end of the court. And the way they played against Virginia, the way they played against St. John's the night before, limiting them to 27 second-half points, outscoring them by 22 points total. And look, even in a game against Ryder, the game that preceded the St. John's game, and and obviously we're talking about a whole different lower caliber of opponent recording 16 steals, I think that all those efforts combined really show the character of this ASU team who may get beat on the boards more more often than not throughout the season, but nonetheless is able to play pretty stout defense otherwise. And I think that's a really significant takeaway, I think, from the recent contest by Arizona State that this is a squad that can play very well on that end of the court. So here we are at a 3-2 and two record, which doesn't exactly instill a ton of confidence for the future when you just look at the three and two mark itself. But you keep in mind that Arizona State does play a challenging non-conference schedule that's been par for the course ever since Bobby Hurley arrived in Tempe. The only two losses on the year so far are two ranked teams, both Virginia and Colorado. So there really isn't any element that's hurting your net, what used to be called the RPI. And When you're playing a challenging non-conference schedule, you just want to make sure that you're going to steal a game here and there. But just as importantly, don't lose those quote-unquote gimme games. And Arizona State does have one Tuesday night on the road at Princeton that concludes their road trip on the East Coast. So imperative for Arizona State to win that game against the Tigers. The Tigers are winless so far in the season. They're obviously going to be desperate and hungry, but for Arizona State, I think the manner and the way they played in the last three games has definitely been encouraging enough to think that this is a squad that can be pretty special this year as well. In terms of individual contributions, uh, I think Remy Martin and and Rob Edwards are definitely leading the way in terms of uh, scoring and really being the, the catalyst for everything that Arizona State does on that end of the floor. Should have mentioned earlier that the two games against St. John's and Virginia and Connecticut, junior transfer guard Alonzo Verge did sit out with what appears to be a wrist injury. His status for Tuesday night against Princeton is still unclear at the time of recording this podcast. So that is uh, definitely an element that we need uh, to keep an eye on looking forward. Alonzo Verge is somebody who came with a lot of preseason accolades as being a deaf shooter, somebody who could really elevate that element of the Arizona State offense. We really haven't seen it 
so far at all. And now this injury for a newcomer setting him back even more has to be somewhat worrisome unless he does come back sooner rather than later. So that is uh, definitely one element that can hurt Arizona State from here on forward. I think that some players that have disappointed uh, Kimani Lawrence, who your heart really goes out to because those two games scheduled in Connecticut were designed specifically for his friends and family from nearby Rhode Island to come and watch him. And unfortunately, uh, they witnessed Bobby Lawrence's two worst games as a Sun Devil. So the irony is uh, definitely there and definitely in a cruel manner to boot. Uh, Romello White, the, the junior forward, I think, played very well in these uh, last two games and really just becoming a different player than he was in the first two years. I know in some ways he's a seasoned veteran being a redshirt junior, but I thought his first two years in Tempe have been really up up and down and being definitely overshadowed by Zalan Cheatham last season. But this series pretty much the beginning and the end when it comes to the front court play by the Sun Devils. So I, definitely a good start for the season for a white, and that's going to be huge because Jalen Graham, the true freshman forward, definitely shows some flashes here and there. But otherwise, Arizona State, at least in that section of the roster, is not getting significant contributions at all. At all. Uh, Tayshawn Cherry, the sophomore forward, who, along with White, was suspended for the season opener in China, I just felt has really not been able to bounce back effectively at all from that suspension really was having a cold shooting spell in those two games against St. John's and Virginia. You wonder how fast it's going to take him to snap out of it. Uh, Junior college transfer Khalid Thomas uh, did have a a nice defensive contribution uh, at the end of the first half against Virginia, but otherwise somebody who's playing much less minutes than I thought would play, uh, ironically, true freshman Jalen Graham is really eating into his minutes. But that's one player that I'm anxious to see much more from him than I, I've seen in the first five contests in a Sun Devil uniform. Uh, Andre Allen, another junior college forward, is even getting fewer minutes each and every game. And you wonder if uh, you're going to see more contributions from him later on. But I think right now the prospect's are probably dim in that regard. Uh, going back to the positive side of the ledger, if you will, uh, Elias uh, Balton in the, the sophomore sophomore forward, I felt is uh, playing with a lot of confidence right now, taking advantage of that Alonzo Verge injury and being in the starting lineup for the last two games, and especially against St. John's, uh, provided a lot of solid defensive contributions in that contest and definitely somebody that you are going to need to see more of down the road, but in terms of just a good stretch of his best games as an ASU player, Valtanen has definitely provided that. Uh, Jalen House, we knew he's an erratic freshman, and some games are definitely better than others for this very young player, but nonetheless, you got to love his work ethic. you got to love his energy. If he can develop more of a consistent shot to complement his exceptional quickness and athleticism, on both ends of the court, then Arizona State definitely has another newcomer that can really help this team out quite a bit. So uh, curious to see how they come out uh, against uh, Princeton after such a disappointing loss against Virginia. And uh, going into the month of uh, December, most of the games are going to be played at home or at least in neutral sites, uh, close to home, challenging games later on in December, at St. Mary's, a game that's going to be played in downtown Phoenix. Home games against Georgia and Creighton. So definitely some challenging contests await. Arizona State in the Valley, and they're going to have one lone road game in the month of December. December 3rd at San Francisco. Without a doubt, one of the more challenging opponents they're going to have in this non-conference slate. So I like what I see from Arizona State all in all throughout this, these first five games. And now it's time really to, as I mentioned, steal, if you will, a game against a team that can really boost your postseason resume if you are 
going to be in that position on Selection Sunday to make it a third consecutive appearance in March Madness. So before I sign off over here, I just wanted to bring your attention to a great holiday promotion we have for new subscribers on DevilsDigest.com. Two great deals going on right now. Both of them do expire on November 30th, so make sure that you act on these right away. The first deal is that you save 50% off your first year subscription. And with that savings, you also get a $49.50 coupon to the Rivals Fan Shop so you can load up on ASU gear, whether it's for yourself or just a present for a loved one. This time of year, obviously, something that's in high demand. The second uh, promotion, it's a promotion that actually we had last year too, I believe. For You can pay $75 for your first year of annual subscription, and then you get a $75 e-card to purchase Adidas gear, whether it's online or in any Adidas store. ASU being an Adidas school is obviously you're going to be your go-to brand to purchase any Sun Devil clothing. So a great opportunity to get a great deal on an annual subscription really ends up being for free because you pay $75 for your first year subscription. And in return, you get a $75 e-card to purchase that Adidas gear. So your subscription is really free and you get some good gear out of the deal too. So would encourage uh, you to take advantage of one of those two deals. And again, make sure you do so before November 30th. You can start your holiday shopping early or just buy something nice for yourself for a change, right? And this is definitely a time of year where you want to be a subscriber for DevilsDigest.com. Aside from the premium pieces that we're going to have leading up to Teratola Cup, we're going to talk to the Arizona publisher in our Know Your Foe article, really get uh, an in-depth look at Arizona State's next opponent. We're also going to have a film study on the Wildcats offense. As I mentioned earlier in the podcast, definitely a unit that uh, you want to analyze and examine and know what to expect come Saturday. But aside from those premium pieces, recruiting season is in full swing, as you know, and it's only going to heat up once the regular season ends. Signing day is December 18th. Before you know it, it's going to be here. We're going to have a lot of recruiting news between now and then. All that recruiting news, more often than not, are premium content. So if you're a premium subscriber, you're not going to miss any item concerning Arizona State recruiting and what should be a very interesting, if not loaded, 2020 recruiting class for the Sun Devils. So lots of good reasons to become a subscriber if you're not already one. So just go to our front page at devilsitis.com. All the details of our holiday promotion are over there. Check it out. Sign up before November 30th. Get the gear, whether for free or at, a, or at a reduced discount, and be on the inside track for all your Sun Devil news. So that will do for this episode of the Devil's Junkies podcast. I want to thank my guest again, Shaq Richardson, former Arizona player, giving his perspective on the Territorial Cup. And we will talk to you again after that regular season finale for the Sun Devils. want to wish all our listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy your family and friends at this special time of year. And we will talk to you next week. I was living in a devil town. I didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town.